Let's roll that intro. Da 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 da. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Doomer, and this is Boomer, and this is the Boomer Doomer podcast. How you doing today, Boomer? I'm doing pretty good, man, other than for the fact that I was working out yesterday and I wrecked my knee and I don't even know what I did. Well, the, see, the problem is if you exercise, you open yourself up to injury. Yeah, but, you know, if you, if you do something like, you know, hey, I was pressing like uh, 800 pounds, you know, you know, at least you've got a good story if you screw something up. I mean, I wasn't even doing anything, you know, big or anything like that. I just was... Then this morning I got up and I was like, holy shit, I can't walk. Oh my, that must've been an exciting morning. Just wake up, can't, can't move a leg. I mean, my knee was killing me. It's finally starting to feel better, but after a couple of uh, uh, ibuprofens and uh, having it wrapped all day, that, that, you know, hey, you know, that's a pretty good win when you, when you wake up in the morning and you can barely move your uh, knee. And uh, now, now that I've, uh, now that the day has gone by, it's only been screwed up for a day. I've had it on ice and wrapped, and uh, I'm able to walk again. Hey, that's hey. I you know what? I'd take it. So that's a good win. That's a, that's a good win for the day. Um, let's see. My win is I passed my first uh, first examination of two for my certification. Congratulations, man! Thank you. Here we could virtually. Uh, Virtually cheers each other and clink glasses. Clink, clink, clink. Oh, that was well done. Oh, I have a future as a Foley artist. Once yeah, I'm... not bad for a, uh, a a virtual clink. Yeah. Well, let's see. Oh, you cannot minimize Zoom while you're recording a meeting. Fun fact. I didn't know that. Yeah, well... Little did it know, I have two monitors. Haha. -ha. So, uh, I guess with our with our two wins out of the way, and you know, I'm I'm super excited to get this next exam done. But now that work's picking back up, I'm I'm hoping that I can I can stick to it. Uh, that's that's always the part that worries me is I'm gonna get burned out from, you know, trying to get everything done in like four days as I'm as I won't to do as they say. And well. You're talking to somebody who got his who got his bachelor's degree part time, at least the last two years of it, uh, part time, and uh, it took me a long time to do that. You know, one or two classes at a crack. Don't make sure that you separate work from study, and make sure that you compartmentalize it all so that you can keep on task and on track. That's that's good advice. Don't know how well that applies during during COVID, but uh, during this great lockdown we have. But you know what? Actually, I, I think it applies better during COVID than when I was doing it. Oh yeah, I mean, well, we don't I, have it. You don't have a two-hour commute every day. This is true. That would be the time that you would listen to your your things and study, though. At least for ah, back. Back in the day, we didn't have that kind of capability. No, seriously. 
Well, you didn't have one of those like 1957 Cadillacs with the uh, with a gyroscopically stabilized record player. Uh, no. <laughs> Jeez. Next thing you know, you'll tell me you you know didn't have the the one of the prototype uh, nuclear powered cars from GM. But I, I did have a uh, Chrysler Cordoba with Corinthian leather seats. <laughs> I really did have one of those. Oh my gosh! All right, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up and put it in the show notes. So, ah, okay. Because I, I, I'm picturing just like an all white inside outside car. Oh no, no no! It was silver with with um, with red leather seats. Oh my gosh, that's so vintage. Back when red leather was cool. Now it's just in BMWs. <laughs> and I guess some Infinities. It's in all the luxury cars now. So you had a luxury car. Didn't that was you? a luxury car? Well, it had red leather. Obviously, it was luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you want to call that gas guzzler the uh, a luxury vehicle. Oh, was it a big V8? Oh, it was a big V8 that I even uh, uh, did a little bit more work to to get a couple of extra horsepower out of the thing. Just what? What'd you do? Uh, messed around with the uh, the carburetor, opened up the uh, the intake as well as uh, what we what we you could nitrous feed it or you can alcohol feed it, and I actually alcohol fed it. All right, because that it burns at a lower temperature and like uh, and so then uh, cools uh, the cylinder walls. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I yeah. You know, uh, NASCAR's E100 now. Have, no. Actually has been for a while. Yeah, NASCAR does not use uh, gasoline in the in their automobiles. Holy cow. It's very cool. Aside from the fact that now fires, because of, I guess, how eth- uh, ethanol burns, it's like it burns translucent. Yeah. So, um, like, someone could be running around, and if it's far enough away, it looks like a heat mirage, but they're actually just on fire. Great. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that, that was right out of um, uh, Talladega Nights. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that Will Ferrell movie. That's something else, man. I, I Like, whenever I need to turn off my brain, I just put on a Will Ferrell movie. And then I remember his, like, relentless optimism and general dumbassery sometimes actually just make me more angry than when I started <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, let's get back on topic. Not that we're known for segueing off the deep end in this podcast. Really? I don't think we've ever done that. I don't think so either. I think we're always on task and on track. Absolutely. Nothing can stop us. This train has no brakes. So, uh, listening for the week or like some musical thing or a podcast uh you want to share um i shared one with you earlier this week so i think if you don't mind i'll go first go ahead yeah absolutely all right so um as you know the uh resident doomer and uh millennial in the room i grew up watching you know toonami and uh cowboy bebop was was my my favorite favorite late night cartoon uh anime for those of you who 
listen to that or watch that. So they had a excellent soundtrack that was recorded by a Japanese band called the seatbelts. And they are a huge, just everything from blues to jazz, just everything fusion, everything in between. And their Cowboy Bebop soundtrack is actually a mixture of many different genres based on uh, the episode, as each episode would have its own kind of background music to set the tone for, for the episode. So that is where you get that huge variance across an album, because I'm sure, Boomer, you're familiar with, usually there it's, it's iterations on a theme in an album, but this was just all over the board. Oh yeah, you you sent me the link to that, and I was actually really rather impressed with uh, uh, the variety that they could play, the stylings that they could play, and uh, just to, I mean they, they they must have been one hell of a studio band to be able to pull off the the stuff that they did, um, you know, for each one of those episodes and whatnot. Oh, for sure. I just every time I listen to it, I I kind of pick up something new. Uh, I got my fancy my fancy Eclipse uh, bookshelves in my in my office now, and uh, wow. And, and it's interesting because I mean, even you know, there's a lot of music that that I listen to. I, I kind of consider myself an eclectic music listener, con- considering the fact that I cover everything. I listen to everything from uh, from to quote a uh, a radio station here in Chicago from Bach to rock. And uh, and everything in between, and I had never heard of the seatbelts until you sent that to me. I thought they were pretty remarkable. Yeah, uh, and and that was also what caused our great confusion about me telling you I like jazz because that was my understanding of jazz. <laughs> so uh, you can... <laughs> now I understand. Yeah, that that's right because is that yeah you definitely have a a, a weird association with what jazz is and uh, if that's your association with jazz yeah that that's kind of different yeah it's uh, like a kid who grew up uh eating caviar and then is introduced to you know like boxed mac and cheese and they're told it's the same thing <laughs> yeah i don't think so yeah you just you don't realize how good you have it until you start listening to some other other lesser stuff not to say that they're it's bad all the time. It's just I think the seatbelts are really really good, like top of their craft kind of people. Uh, kind of uh, like I said, I, I what I heard is really top notch studio musicians is what I heard. Well, there you have it from the boomer himself and it ringing endorsement. So you know they they definitely are that they definitely are well trained in their craft. Well, as for an earworm for me. <clears throat> I did something interesting. Um, I was, uh, I, I, I down, not downloaded, but I was streaming live something called the six string salute. And it was a fundraiser from a bunch of uh, people that are normally on the road all summer. And since we've been living in COVID times, there've been no live concerts uh, roaming around the country. And <clears throat> there were a lot of different people on, for a lot of heavy metalers and uh, just, just a really wide variety of, uh, of, of talent. One of the people that really kind of surprised me was, uh, uh, was Stevie Vai. I don't know if you know who he is, but he never, he doesn't usually sing. He's usually a 
uh, hardcore, hard rocking guitar player. The dude's got a voice, as well as the fact that he uh, um, he's really he's an amazingly talented guitar player. I could never keep up with him as a guitar player, but uh, all the respect to him and what he did last week on uh, the Six String Salute. It was uh, it was actually a very well done show. And uh, I'm not sure what they raised for, you know, how much money they raised for all their crews, but uh, I thought it was a nice, uh, a, a nice thing to be able to do for all the crews that support the lighting, the the stage building, the, the all the the traffic, the logistics, and everything else along the way. There's a lot of people that go into all those shows, and and like I said, I think it was pretty nice that they did that. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking up. Uh... So we're going to have to link them in the show notes, right? Yeah, we could do that. Okay, we'll link them in the show notes as well as a uh, the Wikipedia article for Steve Vai. Uh, apparently he's um, quite the uh, the collaborator. He's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah big worked, time. Worked with uh, Frank Zappa, David Lee uh, Roth, White Snake. Um, let's see. Mary J. Blige, Spinal Tap. And Ozzy Osbourne. Oh yeah. So yeah, little uh, he's 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 gotten around, you know. Hung oh, out that, that's only people. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean his Wikipedia page in terms of just genres of music he's played. Yeah, uh, he's he's already. He's a busy guy. Let's let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> well, that's like cool. I said. He's a, he does a lot of he does a lot of different kinds of music. I mean. From blues to rock and roll, a lot of heavy metal, a lot of uh, a, a little bit of a metalhead, I guess. Uh, like I said, it was a really pretty good show. Yeah, it looks like that. I mean, I'm just I'm just reading his Wikipedia page right now. So he released two solo albums as well. So now that I did not know, I didn't know that he was did, did any solo stuff. So. Well, I always know, I, yeah. So that's another new thing that I didn't know about him. I've always knew, known him as the uh, the guy that shreds guitar behind a lot of other people. I mean, that's that that's what he did, and then he you know did a solo act, and then goes back to doing that. So the such is the life of an artist. Sometimes you're the front man. Sometimes you're you know the the uh, just the guitarist, and not even the lead one, but. It's all about teamwork, making the dream work. Oh, absolutely. It, it's about the collaboration. It's about having other people to work with you on, and work on projects as well as uh, just bounce ideas off of. Kind of like us. Yeah. We're, we're, the, next, we're, we're the next Steve Vise of, uh, of podcasting. <laughs> In my dreams, man. In my dreams. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? We'll, we won't have to, we won't get, uh, uh, what do you call it, sponsorship deals. We'll just have to sell, sell our recordings as albums or something. Does that, does that even work anymore? <laughs> you know, I, in all honesty, I don't know how the heck they make money in music these days. Uh, unless you do the big tour thing. I, and, then has... making, and then you're making more money on the merch and you're making more money on, uh, on the, the ticket sales uh, than, than you are on anything else. And you still have to have a really good money manager on top of that that you actually trust. 
Otherwise, you end up like all all the boy bands in the '90s that got like 96 percent of their revenue stolen from them. Yeah, I mean, then and, and I mean that even happened to the. Uh, I heard that that's even happened to people like the Goo Goo Dolls and stuff. So so it's not, you know, I mean, that was uh, what. That's why Billy Joel disappeared for a while uh, to be able to break it to be able to move on from a from a bad contract. Um, happened to Prince. That's why he changed his name on a couple of, uh, that's why he changed his name to the unpronounceable character. Um, so, you know, it, <laughs> it, it happens to the, it happens to the big ones as well as a lot to, to a lot of smaller artists. So I'm not quite sure how you make money in the, uh, the music industry these days. Maybe somebody, maybe someday we can have a, uh, a guest tell us how that, that works. Maybe a, uh, an audio or, uh, media lawyer that, that uh, helps their clients make money. That would be pretty fascinating in all honesty. I feel like that would be a good 40 minute episode as we drill into their brain, but that would also require prep. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We'd actually have to be able to think about it rather than uh, just coming on here and chatting about the stuff that we do during the week. Absolutely. But if it adds value and we get people who are like, yeah, bring on the lawyer. <laughs> I want to know how to make money in music. Then or podcasting. We'll, or podcasting. And you know what? We'll have to, we'll have to do that then because we have, you know, we are audience driven if nothing else. At least we hope, at least we think we are. Uh, it's, shh, we got to be like the businesses that say they're customer focused and then actively ignore the customer's desires and needs. Speaking of customers' desires and needs, uh, what are we talking about today? What is the show? Aha! Uh-huh. So our potpourri topic for today is uh, titled, My boss sent me an email at 2 a.m. and I responded. So for those of you who would like a, a more um, succinct explanation of what, what that this topic is, it is about setting boundaries and sleep hygiene, two very riveting topics. And first of all, if you're answering an email at two o'clock in the morning, are you awake or are you sleeping with your phone so that it wakes you up when you get the little beding? And there's, there's reasons that you shouldn't be doing both. You shouldn't be doing either. Um, it's true. But if you have a client that's overseas and your schedule involves working at 2 a.m. No, it's true. Yeah, and, and I get that. But don't do that long term because as I, as there are many studies out there about, you know, prison wardens and uh, stuff of that nature or guards rather that, uh, that do only night shifts. Well, the human brain and body does not like to be awake during the not not sun up. It's, it's just not fun. No, I don't know if uh, anybody out there has ever done a swing shift, but those are really tough. Where were you uh, around a regular day schedule, and then all of a sudden you go into a situation where you're doing uh, – I, I was in a situation one time where I was uh, a contractor on a site, and you had a choice. You could work from 7 to 7 or 7 to 7. Oh, what a deal. What a deal. 
But when you're out of town and you want to be able to see something during the daylight hours, I chose working 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And then I would go out from, I would stop and get breakfast somewhere between uh, where I was working at and the hotel. Um, and then I would go out and sightsee for, you know, for four or five hours before I went back and had to catch a few hours of sleep before I uh, went back to the, uh, to where I was working at. Cause we were on a 24 hour startup. So we had to cover the night shift because the, the, the place that we were working in runs 24 seven. That's just nuts. Like so, it's, remember when we not we used to not do that when there was like heavy controls and agrarian society where we were like, oh, you know, it's it's dark now, not not really good work time. But uh, anyway. yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. No, that's true. I mean, now we're doing everything from uh, manufacturing to shipping to. Uh, all the logistics along the way, 24-7, everywhere. Well, the other problem that we have is everybody's working from home and we're doing, uh, and, and we're on COVID time. I mean, you've heard of hammer time, so I figured I'd, I'd use COVID time. Oh, I thought that was, I thought it was like, and, and I'm doing a little time. dance, by the way. So, so oh. just, just, just picture me doing that dance. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think you not, owned not a pair a of parachute sight. pants. Not, not a pretty sight. Uh, um, I, but, but, but I mean, even, you know, everybody's working from home. We are doing a lot of things at weird hours. We are doing things that, and, and actually, we, I think we talked about this on one of the other episodes too, is how COVID time is going to be changing a lot of uh, business real estate. Because a lot of companies have found out that, hey, we can get a lot more work done letting people work their own hours from home rather than having rather than forcing everyone to be in an office situation. So getting a, a call at two o'clock in the morning, I guess, isn't all that strange. I mean, even where I'm at, um, my wife looks at me and says, you know, she says, you don't know when to turn it off. You don't know when to turn the computer off. So there, there are times where she gets really frustrated with me. She says, are you done yet? You know, and, and, and how do you turn that and, and how do you turn that off consistently? Yeah, and I think that's the the bigger problem is the consistency with the you know the I won't say traditional nine to five, because it's more like the traditional seven thirty to seven thirty, uh, you know, combined with commuting or if you work at the uh, the greatest place on earth, Amazon, and uh, decide and they have decided that they want to put TSA check in uh, in front of their warehouse. You don't even get paid for that, so you got you got to show up early to go wait in line to go to work. Um, you know, which raises a bunch of questions about like labor and like, are you technically free during that time period? Because the answer is no. But you know, the Supreme Court, uh, in a a four or I think it was a four three decision, said it was. But you know. Well, they've okay, never had gonna, to do that a day in their lives. So I'm, I'm sure they have a hundred percent, all of the empathy in the world for workers. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm going to say as the boomer, I'm going to say, stop your bitching because I used to have to get up at, you know, I would get up at like five, four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning because I did, if I didn't hit the tri-state um, at 10 to six, it would take me 
an hour and a half to get to my office rather than taking me 35 minutes. Right, but there's the, the there's a problem with proximity. You can you kind of ch- you you can at least argue there's the choice to live further away from work and and commute in. Once what I'm saying is you get to the warehouse at let's say 7:30, right? Yeah. You are at your workplace at 7:30. You do not get paid until you clock in inside the building after you go through security. That is when you start getting paid. And you're on work premises. So you're essentially saying that if my employer decides that in an office setting, I'm not allowed to leave until the security officer checks me and everyone else in the building to leave, I am, I am clocked out, but I am not able to leave of my own volition. My autonomy is being violated, and you're saying that is okay. Why? The way I looked at it is I always kind of thought of it this way. I would always, I would always prioritize things that I needed. One is I needed to put food on the table. So either I chose to do what I was doing, and if it meant the extra time on my, in my commute, I don't, my, my point is, number one, is I don't see a whole lot of difference between choosing where you live and having to commute an extra long time or having rules like that because of whether it's COVID time or some other security measures to deal with another issue. We have to do what we have to do. So you have a choice. As an employee, you can either choose to say, screw it, I'm going to go do something else and go find another place to work. Or you, you accept it and you deal, you do what you have to do. The, the bottom line is, is you still have the freedom of choice to be able to do that. I would argue that the choice between starvation and having your rights trampled is not really a choice. It is the illusion of choice. Um, and, and there's worker right. And as, as, as crazy as this uh, might sound is, you know, worker rights are, are a real thing. The rest of the world, you know, has to deal with uh, aside from China who also implements the same things. So if we want to go with using China as our economic model for how we treat our employees, I don't think we're really respecting free enterprise. We're, I'm not we're, saying that we have to, that, that we treat, that, that we have to do that. I'm not saying that, 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 we, that all companies will be doing that or that you have to do that. Right, but the precedent is being set by the government is what I'm arguing. So once a precedent is set, it's that much harder to overturn it. Um, and, and that's where, where my ass gets chapped. But um, 
circling back because this is this is kind of related to setting boundaries is you know a lot of people aren't going to have the same opportunities that that you or i have had either they're not going to know where to go to get a better education or they're not going to know about labor laws you know the, even the uh our our government argues that uh the, that wage theft is probably the uh one of the largest white collar crimes that exists you know due to people either not paying overtime hours or uh all that other stuff so yeah, yeah so there's there's just a lot there's a lot going on in the world that you know, you can know about, but you can't really do anything about because you have to have that information, one, disseminated, and two, make sure people understand it. Uh, and the law is, you know, kind of written in a way that it's uh, unintelligible for the, the modern, per or for, for the average person. So yeah, um, circling back to setting boundaries. How often do you you know, reach out to someone for work at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and has it ch increased or decreased since COVID for you? Well, that's actually has increased for me because we're trying to do more international work, so it changes the hours that you're working. But when I do turn off, I make sure that my phone and everything else is in another room so it will not bother me. I make sure that I disconnect and you have to, you personally have to create those boundaries. I, and, I'm, and I'm well aware of the fact that you have to do that. So that's when, you know, when, when some people sleep with their, their phones and I hear, you know, and, and, I know people that do that. I'm like, come on. You know, there is a silent mode that you can say, don't bother me between these hours when I'm trying to sleep. It, yeah, setting setting like a sleep mode or do not disturb on my phone. I have it on all my devices. Like after seven o'clock, I don't care if the server's burning down. I don't care if, uh, you know, the, the, the client is... is is so angry they're going to fire us the next day. There has to if they are right, there has to be boundaries. You have to be able yeah. to separate. Otherwise, we're all going to drive each other crazy. Absolutely. And on on the flip side is would the client want me to reach out at 2 in the morning and be like, "Hey, I finally finished your server, but I need you to approve this change." And I'm going to bill you for every hour that I'm just sitting here waiting for you. Well, no, no one wants that. Exactly. But, you know, everyone, everyone, uh, or there's this, I think this uh, maybe expectation that some people have. And when you set those, those strong limits in place, or um, as I know some companies do, they set up uh, basically uh, the, the penalty box hours. Right. And where it's like, all right, so every hour after 40 hours is charged at $536 an hour per employee and then everyone's like oh we don't want to go overtime well, yeah but you have to have that negotiation in place and and that's i think i don't know if how you do it or did you just kind of one day decide like seven o'clock and and 
people send you emails after seven and you just don't reply or what did, what did you do? How did you communicate it? Um, I, what I'll do is I actually have a, sometimes I'll even put it on my email so that uh, people know that I will not, you know, these are the hours that I will reply to emails. Sometimes I even have to do that during the business day just to be able to get work done instead of re replying to uh, a constant stream of issues during the day, whether it's on one or multiple projects or one or multiple problems, you have to be able to set some time limits to be able to say, I need time to focus on. And uh, there's really a good book on that, by the way. Oh yes, we got to shill our books. It was the uh, the subtle art of uh, of saying no. Should I set up an Amazon affiliate link for for our podcast? Uh, if if they want to uh, uh, boost our our our, our uh, ratings, yeah, absolutely. Well, it would it would it would one hundred percent go to funding our. Uh... I'm sorry. Well, let me rephrase that. The subtle art of not giving a. It's okay. We can swear. We're not monetized. Okay. Subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> yes. That actually was a pretty good book on how to say no, on how to set the boundaries, and how to keep your sanity when you're working way more than just 40 hours. And I'll admit it, I mean, I'm taking a lot of my commute, what would have been normally a commute time, and I've worked it. I've, I've done more, a, a few more things. I've been able to uh, fill in the gaps. I've been able to, you know, and then you still have other projects where you're on a tight timeline. You have a lot to, you have a lot of work to get done. Uh, so that a customer is going to be happy at a specific time frame. And even though the time frame might seem unreasonable, it's really funny, but if you have a team that builds to a really tight time frame like that, because, you know, just the, the project warrants it, you have a, a, a lot to do, but it's a really good project and you're, you're going to be able to, you know, have something really rewarding afterwards those projects will build friendships and camaraderie that will last years into the future. It's that, that struggle. It's the fact that it's easier to go up and down valleys and through swamps by having somebody to say, Hey, look, I'm stuck. Can you give me a quick hand? It's a whole lot easier to have another set of hands, on a project or on, on something that you're working towards a goal of finishing with a team. And that team, and once you carry that through, you will have a, a core group that will, bar none, be, become leaders and your go-to people for any time something gets tough because you know that you can work together in, in a tough situation. Yeah. I mean, this all also comes back to having good, good leadership as well. Um, I've, I've definitely noticed that when I set aggressive timetables for myself, it, uh, it works better, at least for me, just because I like the added pressure 
of of um that that artificial deadline but at the same time you know where i work sometimes i'll get tasked with four five six seven different things none of which are related and not only do i get kind of burned out but it's going to take me longer to do all those things because i can no uh i i serially process and anyone who says they can multitask if it's requiring the same parts of your brain you probably can't you're just doing two things really shittily <laughs> i like the way you phrase that <laughs> really shittily i don't know if that's a real word but i like it <laughs> it's i i feel like it perfectly just captures the essence of the output of your what you're you you create at that point um that's and i've i've even noticed that like yeah i can listen to like a podcast while i'm doing number-based data entry no big deal okay if I'm, if I'm doing anything with words and there's lyrics and songs well that's it it's like this is this is going to be uh uh you know cost center um yeah i, I remember when i was young yeah. yeah and you're like oh wait that's that's not at all what that cost center should be um but yeah, yeah that's I, i'm very much the same way if i have work to do if i'm working on uh uh, a project where I have to do a lot of thinking. I can't, I have to listen to instrumental music, whether it's uh, jazz, whether it's classical, whether it's, uh, you know, some, something that's, that, that, that's completely, you know, e even, even techno is easier to listen to uh, if I'm doing some things than, than, uh, than pop or pop rock, especially right. if I know the words of the song, because then all of a sudden, they start becoming that earworm that 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 starts taking over that part of the 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 front part of the thinking part of your brain instead of what you're supposed to be focused on. It's almost like pop. At least that that's that that's for me. No, no, pop is pretty much engineered to be musical crack. So um, that's the fact that it it infiltrates your consciousness and. And you sing along with all the words, and you know you feel happy and upbeat, and your little your brain is predicting all the two or all the things just in time, and it makes you feel really smart. And then they just switch it up just a little bit, so it keeps it fresh that little bit longer, even though it's the same four chords you just heard at the last sixteen songs, but now it's played on a keyboard or guitar instead of a piano. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, I my rate, my rage but, for but yeah, music. so. And and don't get me wrong, I like to listen to. I even play pop music on my guitar, but at the same time, it's uh, you know if I'm on certain tasks, I cannot listen to it. I have to have instrumental. I have to have something that allows me to do a different type of focus for my brain. Mm -hmm. So I guess for but uh, we're all different too. Yeah, I mean. To an extent, I really think that if you have lyrics that you hear and are processing in your forebrain and you're also doing data entry or anything to do with writing, you know, write an essay while you're listening to like the greatest hits of the uh, 90s and early aughts. Yeah, I guarantee you. Happen. Yeah, I guarantee you at least once 
you will type out the lyrics without even thinking about it. Yeah, I could see that. Easily, I could see that. You've got to stop thinking that everything has to be real time. We have to stop thinking that we can't say no. And, you know, if, if, if I have a, a pre-planned event, we should be able to be, handle that. You know, you said that even if a, even if a uh, server is burning, well, you know what? That's why companies have insurance. Well, not only that, it's that's why you set up, you know, uh, either scalable cloud infrastructure or something else because having everything so located on one in only one place is this is your risk. That's that you're assuming a ton of risk with that. So yeah. manage your risk, make sure that you're doing it right, make sure you have all the right backups and make sure you have insurance. Wow. And with that, you, you can say that, you know, what are the boundaries? How are the boundaries set? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about like how I set my boundaries. Cause one of the big things I had was, um, I don't, I don't typically send out a mass email to everyone. When I take a vacation, I simply just disappear for a week. And then all of a sudden, if you send me an email, you get an automated message back saying, hi, I'm gone from these dates to these dates. Right. That, and, that's, that's the way most people are doing it now. Well, yeah. And, and, but the problem is, is that because we have instant messaging apps and everything else, and also a big problem uh, that a lot of people had that I've thankfully avoided by just being, um, what's the word? Prudent. And for those of you who have not been prudent, do not feel bad, but keep your business on a business phone. And if your company offers to pay for your data plan, don't let them give you a new phone on a new network with a new OS with a new account. You don't want any leak over into your personal life. I had it on, on my old phone. The second they gave me a company device, I deleted that account so fast. All those messaging apps, gone. I did not want to deal with it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to smell work. So, and you know, I agree completely. A lot of people have told me that I've been crazy because I carry two phones with me. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, why are you carrying two phones? It's like, well, you know, because... One's for me and one's for work. Not only that, but you don't know how stable a company is. You don't know how stable your job is. I mean, and if everything is all on one phone and they say, I want my phone back, you're hosed. Keep a it thousand, separate. A thousand percent. Same thing with emails. Also, if you work at a really toxic work environment and you're Okay, so talking about boundaries and this is just this is just a lesson in like how to survive crappy conditions, but um set up a second email address and um yeah, like on Gmail, whatever, and every correspondence you have either with like a problem client or uh even just a uh a, a 
either controlling boss or just just a coworker who's just absolutely a toxic shitlord. And you just, you know, either you're on the verge of tears or violence every time you see them. Depending. I'm here. I'm listening. Document it all. You you had me a toxic shitlord. Yeah, a toxic shitlord. All right. So what you do is you set up a Gmail account. And you BCC that Gmail account on everything. Or, ideally, you auto for, or you can also do auto-forward. Um, most clients support, or email clients support that. So that while you are replying back and forth with this person, they don't ask why you're you know, sending a, an email to, to a, a third address. Um, because they never see it because they'll never see it. Exactly. And you know, there are, there are companies out there. I'm not saying which I have never had the displeasure of working at one of those, but I have friends who have and sending out a, a, all of those toxic emails to an outside email address when they, um, terminate you for showing up five minutes late one day that that's just wrong that's when you should give all of that to the department of labor and dol will uh will handle it because a lot of these a lot of these cases is these people are just absolute jerks and threaten to fire you and 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 they put it all in in on paper for you and it's like, oh, well, thank you so much. I can't wait to turn this over to the Department of Labor. And um, then you get a wrongful termination suit, blah, blah, blah. But long story short, you leave with 40 more grand in your pocket than you left. And that company has to really rethink its, uh, its structure. Or eventually it will die because it's going to keep getting fined. It's actually a good point. That's actually a good point. Yeah, that, and that's, I, I hate. I genuinely hate that that is a thing that people have to do nowadays. But and I'm sure I'm sure there could there there's a way that that has also been abused. But at the same time, it's I, I totally understand where that can come from too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure th- there's plenty of I'm sure times where someone because they and this is the other side of things. If you're a business owner and you're not documenting bad behavior and documenting write-ups, you're going to get absolutely reamed when oh, you get one of those suits. Because and you're absolutely right because uh, there's so much, so much uh, education now. And, you know, at every location that you can't do this, you can't do that. You have to be aware of everything. Um, make sure that you're not insulting anyone, even indirectly, you know, and there, there's all the sensitivity training that we all have to go through, but make sure that, you know, it, it, it's still pretty serious. You know, we want to make sure that we have a good workplace and that we want to keep it that way too. Yeah. I mean, create an environment where you would want to work. Exactly. And you could do that, you know, 10 feet at a time in your own cubicle. Exactly. So that was a lot about setting boundaries uh, in in work that not all related to COVID, but some of it 
for I mean for certain is. Um, yeah, we started to touch on some of the real estate issues around COVID too, and I think that could be a whole episode unto itself. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, we we should definitely like you know maybe talk to uh, someone in commercial like real estate banking because. I'm well based on the Fed data no one's no one's getting loans right now or rather someone is giving out loans but um how long that's going to last I don't know Was that the the big drop in the uh the market today? No, 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 no. This is this is the the bond market. Mm. Um yeah, uh so the Federal Reserve keeps track of, of like what kind of bond or what kinds of loans are being issued by by banks across uh, across a bunch of different verticals and and like consumer spending in general so like revolving credit like credit cards balances on those have been trending downwards which really awesome if you're carrying a balance on your credit card you're a hero to your credit card company and also a absolute sucker to everyone else um Unless of course you have one of those zero percent balance transfers, in which case it doesn't work, or you know you're you're getting money for essentially free, but you got to pay it back. It's just avoiding eventually. the interest. Eventually, uh, but but if you go one day beyond their term limits, oh, you pay all that interest. You pay all the interest instantaneously. It goes from very very cheap. To very very expensive money. Yeah, you go from a zero percent interest loan to a twenty five percent loan that you've been only paying, um, paying down the uh, principal on while the interest has been accruing in the background. It hurts. And yet, if you go one day over those loans, the entire interest balance for the entire time that you had the loan out for, even if there's only one dollar left you are now responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's the, the, the gross nature of it all, I think. Just, um, there's a lot of, lot of danger with those, you know, 180 days, same as cash with a 25% interest rate if you don't do it in 180 days. Yeah, it's make even, sure you're at 170 days, otherwise you're, uh, you're really going to get hurt. Well, and also read the terms of your contract. If you issue payment on the last day that it's due and the contract states that it needs to be in their hands by the last day that it's due, that's that's a sucky thing for you. But some credit card companies, they're they're a little bit more chillaxed and uh and part of this is also due to re- uh how how banking or uh credit card regulation works is if your payment is issued Let's say you do a direct payment from your your account, which, oh man, is that a bag of worms and a half? Uh, <laughs> if it's issued same day, uh, because of how uh, automated clearinghouse works, is technically they probably would even have the money same day um, if they pay for priority. And a lot of the time, that's that's exactly what they'll do because nothing nothing feels or they, they know they lose a lot of business if they screw over their customers and nothing is worse for them than a guy who one runs their card up every month and then pays it off because especially if it's a, you mean they don't like me? 
No, they they absolutely. Well, I mean, they make money off the merchants from you because they <laughs> sure as hell aren't making money from you. But uh, but no, my favorite thing is to just like put someone in credit card hell is to uh, find like a recurring service that's like a dollar a month, so that their their service fee is is a f- a fixed rate, right? It's like thirty two cents plus one and a half percent of whatever it is. And just find a place that that uh, either has preferential rate or whatever, and just and just ding them with that dollar every month because they're not making money then. By the time they have to maintain the account balance of the account, send me my my paper statements because screw you, I don't want electronic statements. You will give me paper, and you will like it. And uh, yeah, they paper, lose money every month. Processing print. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yes. That that is that is how I, I I penalize places that give me that give me grief. It's it's a small victory sometimes, but it is a victory nonetheless. <laughs> You'll take those wins. A thousand You'll take every one of those wins. Exactly. They can they can enjoy using that thirty two cents to pay the USPS for postage. Um well, with all of that, we've gone from seatbelts to six-string salute to um, emails at 2 o'clock in the morning and boundaries. What are you drinking to talk through all of this? Ah, yes, because liquor makes the world go round and also makes life a little bit more tolerable. Um, Especially now. <laughs> and you know what? I don't have to worry about drinking and driving. <laughs> Oh, I gotta drive from my from my office to my bedroom, fifteen feet away. Oh man, so tough. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so uh, because tonight I'm actually thinking of finally watching uh, Spectre in in honor of the new James Bond movie coming out. I actually have never seen Spectre. I bought the Blu-ray. I put it on my on uh, in my collection and. Haven't watched it yet, so I'm gonna probably watch that tonight. And in in honor of that, I am drinking a vodka martini. Oh, shaken, not stirred. Indeed. And I'm using uh, also in honor of Spectre. I had a collector's box of Belvedere vodka that came with a. 007 Spectre branded stainless steel shaker. Oh, now that's cool. The, the gift sets. I, I, I need a shaker. I don't have one. Oh, you, you go find uh go to like a Benny's or something and look for the gift sets. Cause they, believe it or not, some of them aren't garbage. The only problem is like, you know, you still have to buy a strainer separately, but yeah, you could get some like cool branded merch. Um, well, I just use the two glasses pounded on top of each other, shake it up, and then break them apart. Oh, just... but how do you strain? Do you have a strainer? No, you just kind of crack the two glasses and you let it sip, sip through the, and you basically sift it through the, uh, the little hole. The ice doesn't fall out. The ice is still too big. Do you have bigger ice cubes than me? I do. <laughs> Oh gosh, was that an innuendo? Oh, um, 
have you ever have you seen a commercial for the baller? The baller? Yeah, it makes balls of ice cubes. Uh, the, the, like you can get at the bars. Yeah. Okay. So I actually have a, a really cool, interesting, and at, at not at all either of those things uh, piece of information about those. But go ahead, tell your story. Or no, just the, I've got bigger ice cubes. Ah, yes. Okay. So what's cool about the the the, the ice cube spheres is so there's two things that everyone needs to know because I'm sure you've thought about this. And a few other people have is, man, my, my balls are not clear. My balls are always, my ice balls are always so cloudy. How do I make it clear? Yeah, good question. What's oh. the answer? So the first thing is, is that you technically only uh, freeze half a sphere at a time. Okay. Because if you freeze the whole sphere, you got to remember... It freezes from top to bottom. Yeah. Or bottom to top. So what happens if you try and freeze an entire sphere is as it gets towards the middle, it gets cloudy. Because by the time the ice, you know, because the ice is almost uniformly, or the water's uniformly chilling. So what you do is you take near boiling water, ideally near boiling distilled water, and you pour it in the mold, freeze it, and then you do the other half, and then you freeze it again. You're getting, like, way too technical on me. If you don't want cloudy balls, that's how you do it. Is that anything like sweaty balls? Oh, gosh. Why why'd you go there? <laughs> <laughs> the re idea is to run up to the line, Boomer. Run up. <laughs> to the line you don't cross the line well for what it's worth i'm <laughs> drinking margaritas uh that, that are uh, <laughs> made with grand marnier as the sweet component of the uh, of the margarita all right for for those of us that are stupid and don't know what a grand marnier is explain grand, grand marnier is an orange liqueur which pairs very nicely with the tequila and the lime and the triple sec. Interesting. So it adds a sweet component to a margarita and the salt and the tequila that just always goes together. So do you do like margarita slushy or are you more traditional? Like uh, no, 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 no. I, I drink it. Okay. Liquid margarita. Yeah. Uh, I drink it. And I was gonna say, what's it? What's it made with? Well, today I'm I'm not uber high end. I'm only using Jose Cuervo. What Jose Cuervo Gold. Gold. Oh man. So you like having headaches? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> Suffering is part of life, Doomer. Ah, uh, but this tastes so good going down. I'm just going to I'm going to just leave that one there. Um all right. I uh think we're we're and with that done with bartender another virtual clink. Cheers. Cheers.
And I think we're out. I think so. All right, everyone. Thank you again so much for listening. See ya, Boomer. See ya, Boomer.